Well, good morning and welcome to the East LJ Baptist Church live stream. We appreciate you joining us this morning. Just want to take a moment to thank uh, East LJ Baptist Church members in particular that just a few minutes ago received a message saying we were not going to be in person. Thank you for your gracious, gracious understanding and cooperation uh, on that level. So what happened is we received, our family received a phone call just a few minutes ago uh, telling us that our son had been exposed. And so we just immediately communicated that to the church family to cancel in-person services. Um, and so uh, we are all well and um, symptomatic, uh, no symptoms, um, symptom-free. And so uh, we're glad to be together with you uh, right now. I just want to pray. I need to take a moment to pray and ask God to settle my heart and mind as we've been kind of scurrying about getting everything figured out in light of that phone call. Uh, so join your hearts with me as we pray. Father, we thank you that you rule and reign over all things, that nothing ever takes you by surprise. We confess our humanity and frailty, our, uh, uh, how easily we're shaken, and, and, and God, what a comfort it is to know, though, that you are the, our solid rock. You're unmoved. You reign over all things. You knew exactly where we would be this moment before time began. And so thank you that that truth, even right now, can just settle our hearts and give us peace and know that we're in the hand of the Almighty One uh, always. Father, we thank you for this time to stop and worship and hear from you. Father, thank you for the worship team, their willingness to uh, hang out uh, and help this morning as we seek to lead our church closer to Christ, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, if you're joining us for the first time, we just want you to know that here at East LJ Baptist Church, we have been captivated by Christ. We've seen something in Christ. It's not like anything we've ever seen or understood or known about before. And that is the glory of God is revealed in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. The beauty of God himself as seen at its height in his grace to us, his mercy to us given freely in Christ. And what we've seen, we can't unsee. Our hearts have been captivated by him. And it's our prayer that through our time together today that you too would be captivated by him, that you would see his glory that God would draw you into a personal and saving relationship with him through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, welcome. Uh, we want to encourage you, if you're visiting with us and, and just joining us on the live stream the first, for the first time, or if you've been joining us and you've never connected with us, there on the YouTube page in the description, you'll find uh, a line that says Google Connect Card. If you'll click on that link, then that'll take you to a, a, a little online form that you can fill out and submit to us. That way we can connect back with you via email or uh, cell phone and, and uh, just hook up and try to bring you into some small group gatherings that are happening online via Zoom right now. Uh, some Sunday school classes, some prayer times, some uh, pastor-led Bible studies and so forth. And so uh, if you want to connect with us, we encourage you to do that. Uh, also, if you're uh, joining us this morning on the live stream and you've not connected, you're not connected through our church messaging system, um, then 
right, uh, right there on the same page. Just, just do that same connect card uh, or go to our website, eastlajbaptist.com, and there'll be a, a link there that refers to our church messaging system. Click on that and get connected. That is how we communicate uh, primarily these days. Very important that you be connected uh, that way. All right, one quick announcement, or two quick announcements. First of all, the New Beginnings Transitional Housing Ministry offering that we took the last couple weeks, that total is in, and the check has been sent, $2,200. So we praise God for your generosity and willingness to participate in supporting New Beginnings. They will be uh, uh, adding two more new units this year, I was informed this week. Uh, And so we praise God for His provision and for that vital ministry in helping those who are in a a transitional time and need a little help with housing. Today, the plan was at the end of the service, we were going to have a report uh, from Hannah Kelly. We will postpone that uh, for obvious reasons, and we will get that rescheduled as soon as possible. I want to ask you to join me, join your hearts with me as we read from the Word of God in Hebrews chapter 10. I want to ask you to stand right there in your home just to honor God's Word, to stand up with your Bibles in hand or just take a look at, the, at your TV screen or your phone or whatever. The Scripture will be there. Um, and just follow along with me as we honor the Word of God. What a precious passage this is in Hebrews 10, verses 19 to 24, where the, the, the Scripture says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence... To enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. The author of Hebrews exhorts us based on the finished and firm work of Jesus to boldly approach the throne of grace, to come with confidence in prayer to our God. What a joy it is to know that because of Jesus, this passage describes us. Because of Jesus, our hearts have been sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. Because of him, we've been washed with pure water. Because of him, we, we can make that confession of everlasting hope and not ever waver. Because the one who promised all of this awesome and eternal salvation through Christ, this this text says, is faithful. God can't lie to you. And he's promised that if you'll trust his son, you're his forever and you are secure forever. And you can boldly and confidently come to him. What a blessing our salvation in Christ is. And so he exhorts us one to another Think about how to stir each other up to love, greater love for one another, showing each other what God has shown us in Christ and to good works, living out what makes sense, the way, living the way it makes sense to live in light of God's grace and goodness to us. What a privilege it is. But so many around us don't have this hope. 
And so we want to pray for those, your neighbors, co-workers, and friends. We also want to pray for the nations who have yet to hear about Jesus. This morning we want to pray for the Brahmin Hill in Nepal, a people group of 3,076,000 people, uh, among whom there is no evangelical witness. Imagine, try to imagine. It's hard for me to get, get my head around over 3 million people who don't know the gospel of Jesus Christ, who, who, who do not have a, a, a credible witness, a clear testimony of Christ among them. And yet that's where the Brahmin Hill and Nepal are. Would you join your hearts in prayer with me again? Father, we thank you. Thank you that we can draw near with a true heart, that we can come with full assurance of faith, that we are accepted by our Father because of what you have done for us through your Son, because of the new and living way opened up for us through the broken body and shed blood of Jesus. Father, thank you that we have today a great high priest in the heavenly temple pleading on our behalf, advocating for us, having offered himself as the the final sacrifice for sins, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Every time we cry out, we are fully accepted by you through Christ. Lord, grow our love for one another. Grow our love for the world all around us. Today, our world needs the love of Christ like never before. There's so much frustration and anger and hatred. And God, how I pray we would shine the light of the love of Christ, even to those we consider to be and those who truly may be, on a personal level, our enemies May we love them as you have loved us. You loved us when we were your enemies. Hell bound and sin bent. May we love. And Father, how we pray for our neighbors and friends, co-workers, family members that have yet to come to know this hope that we have in Jesus. We pray that you would open our mouths to witness to them. And Father, we pray for the Brahmin Hill in Nepal that you would send the gospel to them. Raise up someone from our midst to go there to to the hill country of Nepal and take the message of Christ. Father, we thank you that you are ruling and reigning over all things. We pray this morning for all those who are struggling against uh, COVID-19, many now in our own community in recent days, how we pray for their healing and their strength. Father, continue to grant us wisdom and, and, and a gentle love and respect for one another as we, we try to navigate um, gathering and not gathering as a church when, when the situation changes as it has even today. Just give us your wisdom. Father, right now, I pray that your spirit would come, that you in this room and and across living rooms and and offices all across uh, our viewing group today, that you would just meet with us and allow us to draw near to you through worship and song and through the word. Again, we thank you for uh, your faithfulness. You can't lie. 
And you'll, you'll never change your mind about all that you've done for us in Jesus. Thank you, Father. Pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Again, special thanks to these guys for joining me this morning and being here to lead us all in worship. Let's worship together. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear, the hour I first believed. My chains are gone, I've been set.
And Father, this morning, we praise you that we can come just as we are. Because, Lord, we know in, in the depths of our hearts, we all know that we cannot change ourselves. Some of us may have ourselves deceived into thinking we can, but we know. We've tried. We've turned over leaf after leaf anew for naught. But, Father, thank you that we can come just as we are. We can come to you who is able to change us. Even as your children, you're able to continue to make us a little bit more like Jesus. But God, I praise you that today, if there's some who don't yet know you, you are able to change forever their lives. Lord, you're able to transfer, from the, transfer them from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light and your dear son. Father, I thank you that you can take out a hard heart and put in a soft heart. I thank you that you can change the soil of our hearts by the power of your spirit and through the gospel. Do that in the life of someone here today that's gathered with us over this live stream. Father, how we pray you'd speak to us now through your precious word. Wake up our hearts if we are asleep in the light. Lord, May we see the true nature of each of our hearts and be honest about it and then run to you as our only hope. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope you'll take your copy of God's Word this morning and turn with me to Luke chapter 8. We turn the page into Luke chapter 8 this morning. Um, let me ask you a question. Are any of you hard of hearing? If you are, you probably didn't hear what I just asked you. Uh, but uh, I've got some hearing loss, especially in this left ear. Um, it rings all the time. And so my left ear, I don't hear as well in my left ear as I do my right ear. So if we're ever together again and you see me turn my right side toward you, that's what I'm doing. If I can't hear what you're saying, if you're speaking softly, I'll have to do that sometimes. Now, my wife and kids tell me, and I'm not sure why they tell me this. I'm trying to make sense out of it. They tell me that I need to get my hearing tested. And although I don't really want to fool with all that, because here's the deal. Mr. Bobby, I hope you're watching. I can steer, still hear an old Tom Turkey gobble up to a mile away, clear as a bell. And so I don't really sense any, Jason, need for a hearing test. But I probably do need to go get that checked. Our text for this morning is going to test your heart's hearing. Do you know your heart can hear? Do you know your heart has its own set of ears, if you will? Our our sermon for this morning, our message for this morning is entitled, Jesus Hearing Test for Your Heart. Jesus Hearing Test for Your Heart. We find that in Luke 8, specifically verses 4 through 15, but I want us to not skip anything, so we're going to read beginning in verse 
1, though, verses 1 through 3 really won't be a part of our focus this morning. It begins in Luke 8, verse 1. Luke says, soon afterward, he went on through cities and villages, again, there in Galilee, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the 12 were with him. And notice verses 2 and 3. And some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager. So this is the wife of a governing authority there in the region. And Susanna and many others who provided for them out of their means. It's interesting. Uh, just those two verses are very interesting. We learn a lot about the, the, the entourage of Jesus. And, and what we see is that Jesus honored women. And in a day in which women were considered second-class citizens, they were exalted in his presence. They were seen as equal co-heirs of God's salvation with men. The scriptures tell us, Paul says, there is neither male nor female. Uh, we are all one in Christ. There's no hierarchy of of, of uh, first and second class based on uh, whether you're a man or a woman. We're, we're all one. The ground's level at the foot of the cross, and we're all saved as co-heirs through Christ. All throughout the New Testament, we see God using women to minister and advance the gospel alongside Jesus here. And in another place, we see it regularly with the ministry of Paul. Notice there, God used some of these women who provided for them out of their means. So they supported the ministry of Jesus and his disciples. Our main text begins in verse 4. And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away, because it had no moisture and some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So what he tells us right there in that phrase, in that statement, in that exhortation, this parable I just told you, it's about spiritual hearing. This story about farming that I just told really has a deeper meaning. And if, you're, if you've got ears to hear, if your heart's ears are poised to listen, then you can hear. Verse 9, he continues, and when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables. So that, and here he quotes from Isaiah 6, 9, and 10, seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. That statement taken from Isaiah 6 here used by Jesus to apply to the, the majority of the nation of Israel at the time, it's a statement of judgment on the Jews who had already rejected Christ and would from now on be hardened in their unbelief until they finally crucified Christ. And so what Jesus begins to do at this point is speak in parables. And you'll see it as we continue through the book of Luke. He, he, he talks in, in so many parables. And, and so publicly he tells these parables that illustrate spiritual truth 
but then only privately with his disciples who have hearts, ears to hear, does he explain the meaning. And so he, he, he says, guys, you get to know the secrets, my disciples, you get to know the secrets of the kingdom, but for others it's only in parables. And then in verse 11 he says, now the parable is this. Here's, here's the explanation. The seed is the word of God. We could say it's the gospel. The ones along the path, that is the seed sown along the path, are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they heard the word, receive it, hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while. And in a time of testing, they fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Jesus' hearing test for your heart. Here's the truth I want you to take home. The con- according to this parable that Jesus tells and explains, the condition of your heart determines whether or not your hearing of the gospel produces saving faith. The condition of your heart determines whether or not your hearing of the gospel produces saving faith. You see, every 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 kind of soil described in this parable received seed, right? The sower threw seed onto all four types of soil. But the kind of soil, the condition of our hearts is what determines whether or not our hearing of the gospel produces saving faith. What's going on in your heart. That's what this message is all about. So from the very beginning, that's the question. What's going on in your heart? What's the soil of your heart like? Can your heart really hear the message of the gospel? Because you see, the condition of your heart determines whether or not your hearing of the gospel produces saving faith. Jesus describes in these verses four conditions of the heart. One of these four conditions, hear me, is true of every human heart. If you're breathing, then your heart is one of the four kinds, the four following kinds of hearts that we're going to describe. First of all, Jesus describes the hard heart. Verse 12, the ones along the path are those who've heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. This is the hard, the unbelieving heart. The gospel never penetrates hearts like this. The enemy snatches away the gospel truth before a person has time to give it a second thought. John MacArthur says, the seed is literally crushed by the march of sin through the life of this individual. 
These hearts are found in stiff-necked, rebellious, indifferent people who want nothing to do with the gospel. And here's just the, the cold, hard truth. The world has always had some of these people in it. The world will always have, till Jesus comes, some who simply reject the, 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 the message of the gospel. They, they, they refuse to acknowledge their need as a sinner in need of a Savior. They, they refuse to acknowledge that they even need a Savior, much less that Jesus and Jesus alone is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so the first kind of heart that Jesus describes is the hard heart, the unbelieving heart, the gospel-rejecting heart. It's not that they don't hear the, the gospel. They hear it, but quickly dismiss it and reject it. The condition of your heart determines whether or not your hearing of the gospel produces saving faith. Let me ask you this morning, is your heart hard? Is it possible that in your life you've heard the message, but the enemy immediately snatched it away? The birds of the air ate the seed of the gospel, and, and, and you never actually, though you've heard it, you know it cognitively, you intellectually can, can, can explain the gospel, you have never, the ears of your heart have never actually heard the beauty of the message and embraced it. Is your heart hard? Notice secondly in verse 13, Jesus says, the second kind of heart possible in this world and, and in, a lot of the, in, in, in the face of the gospel is the shallow heart. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root, for they believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. I think there's more of, are, are these, these kinds of hearts are more dangerous than the simply hard heart. God can break a hard heart. There's, the problem is there's some self-deception in the shallow heart. This heart hears the gospel, hear me, and immediately responds and seems to receive it even with, the text says, with joy. But this emotional response according to Jesus, is not a true root of saving faith because, how do we know, it doesn't last. These have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, though, they fall away. They seem to believe the gospel until their allegiance to Jesus is tested and tried, either by difficulty or opposition because of their supposedly newfound faith or because sin comes and tempts and they are no longer, they're, no, they're not willing to forsake and, and, and that, that sin and, and prove that their love for Jesus is, is greater or simply another emotional experience comes along that supersedes that moment supposedly with Jesus. Whatever form it takes, and trumps then the last emotional experience that should have been a life-changing moment for them with Jesus. You know, you can have all kinds of joy in a moment. There can be all kinds of joy at the moment someone makes a confession or a profession or prays a prayer, even the sinner's prayer. 
You can have all kinds of joy. Listen, emotions, according to Jesus, right here, can run wild. But it doesn't mean anything. Unless in the time of testing, that saving faith perseveres. Y'all all right? You, you see, this person, Jesus said, this person thinks Jesus is going to fix their life, make their marriage better, straighten out their kids, clear things up on the job, make them happy all the time, prosper them financially, keep them from trial and difficulty. But then after they have this supposed encounter with him, and life starts coming at them hard and fast, and, and things don't get better, Circumstances don't change. Trials maybe even multiply. They're done. They hang it up. They bail on Jesus because he didn't grant their three wishes like they thought he would when they rubbed the genie lamp of the sinner's prayer one night at revival or whatever it might have been. And they bail. In the time of testing, Jesus said, that's, that's when it happens. You see, that's why God made sure passages like James 1, 2 through 4 were put in the Scriptures. So that we would understand that testing and trouble are part of the Christian life. Like it's normal, not only that, it's the design of Almighty God our Father that we go through trials. And so this is what we should, this is how we should behave when trials come to us who believe. James says in, in, in James 1 verse 2, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Now hear me, that ain't easy, right? That's a whole other sermon, but th that, that's tough to do that. But, but why can we do that? Why is it even possible for us to count trials as joy? Because of what he says next. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. You know why we can, we can count a trial joy? The same reason you put yourself through physical exercise, even though it makes you sore. The same reason you pump iron is because you know it'll make you stronger. You'll be sore in the middle, middle of that, right? It hurts. You'll strain and, 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 and you'll sweat. You'll be sore the next day, but you know that if you keep doing that over and over, it'll make you strong. James says, look, you can count trials joy because that'll strengthen your heart's faith in the Lord Jesus, and it's worth it. You'll be mature. You'll be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. You see, that's how a true believer handles trials. That's how one in whom the Spirit of God dwells handles trials trials, that's the outcome of trials in the life of a true believer. Their faith is made stronger. They do not bail on Jesus. When testing comes, as Jesus said, they don't fall away. But for someone with a shallow heart, trials are the end of their following of Christ. Jesus is crystal clear. If you're banking on a moment you had during some church meeting one night, but your life went right back to the way it was before, and Jesus really isn't today precious to you, he doesn't really rule your life, 
He doesn't rule your priorities, your spending, your schedule. Then hear me, Jesus is crystal clear. The soil of your heart is shallow, and there is no root of saving faith. The soil of your heart was just deep enough to fool you into thinking that you'd been saved because you bought the all-too-common notion that it's like a magic mantra and you say the sinner's prayer in a moment of emotional intensity and God will save you and that's it. You're good. Not according to Jesus. Now, am I saying getting saved is complicated? No, but what I'm saying is if you really trust Christ, then when trouble comes, you don't fall away. Then, from, then when you get up from that moment with Jesus, you start living for Jesus, and you keep living for Jesus. That's what Jesus is saying here. According to Jesus, many people say a prayer, have an emotional moment. They respond to the gospel even with joy. But they never actually knew him because they fall away. Does that make you tremble? Let me tell you something. It it ought to make us all tremble. Amen? We could be one with that shallow heart and think we're good. The condition of your heart determines whether or not your hearing of the gospel produces saving faith. But notice with me thirdly in verse 14, the overgrown heart. As for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. Picture with me a briar patch. How many of y'all have ever been here here in the room this morning? Just a few of you guys. How many of you have ever been in a briar patch? I mean, got, got got in deep. So I think it was this, yeah, just this last spring. Uh, I was turkey hunting this one place, and I and I and I kind of start. You know how you know how it kind of starts. Feel it's not it's not too thick at first. You know you kind of got some spaces you can meander through. So I I was going to this other spot, and I thought, well, I just cut through. I mean, it's the straightest path. You know, it's going to be the quickest. So the further I got, the worse it got. Next thing I know, I am. I mean, I'm I'm shoulders deep in briars. I can't get loose. Before I got out of that place, I was sweating like a pig, and I, I mean, I got ripped pants, I and mean, I've torn stuff. Uh, my boots are about half untied and soaking wet. It was terrible. A briar patch is no place to be. The overgrown heart is no heart to have. Now, imagine that briar patch and, and trying to plant something, a seed, underneath all those briars, all those briar bushes. And expecting, being, I mean, you know, y'all are laughing at home and, and, and in the room because y'all are smart. You're not, you're not dumb enough to think that little old seed you drop in the middle and the very bottom of that briar patch is, has a chance at survival. It may not even germinate underneath all that stuff. But it's sure not going to survive and grow into a mature plant. Jesus is saying the same thing's true of your heart here, and it ain't going to happen in your heart either. That briar patch is what an overgrown heart looks like. So what are the briars? Well, he tells you the cares and riches and pleasures of life. These are the things that choke out the life of the gospel in the overgrown heart. 
Matthew 13, verse 22, the parallel account to this. There in Matthew 13, 22, Jesus says, And for what was sown among thorns, that, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world, listen, he adds a little bit right here, the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. You know, Jesus said in another place, you cannot serve God and money. So if you take these things listed by Luke, the cares of the world, riches, the pleasures of life, there's a, there's a connector in all that, and it has to do with money. Jesus said you can't serve God and money. This person is consumed with the temporal, consumed with the right now of the world, Consumed on the one hand with sinful pleasures, perhaps, or sinful longings and desires. But maybe on the other hand, things that in and of themselves are not sinful but have been made into idols. Things like uh, career ambition and, 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 and money and, and a home or a car or even a boat or a, uh, some kind of prestige and, and position. If you never deal with the love of the world, with the love of riches, with the love of money, all that the world has to offer, hear me, Jesus says it will choke out the truth of the gospel. It's like expecting a seed to grow in the middle of the thickest briar patch you can imagine. You know how, you know the only, Phil, I'm confident you've done what I'm about to talk about. You know the only way you can get a seed, a good plant, let's just, I don't know, make something up, tomato plant to grow on the, in the ground where there's a briar patch? The only way is to clear the briar patch first. Get all the roots out, till the ground up, then plant the seed, right? But to, but to wait and, or just even toss that seed into the middle of that briar patch, you can forget it. That's why Jesus warns us about the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. That's why over in 1 Timothy 6, Paul tells the young pastor of the church at Ephesus that those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some, listen, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. You know what Paul says, what, what, what that passage is that, excuse me, you know what this passage in 1 Timothy 6 proves? The truthfulness of what Jesus said about the seed that falls among thorns. It gets choked out. And Paul here says, I'm telling you, I've seen it happen. Those that love money. You can have money and not love it. Jesus says that's real hard, by the way. And if you've got a lot of money, then you really need to be watching your heart. But you can have money and not love it. You cannot have money and still love it, right? So it's a hard issue. But for those, Paul says, that have, I've seen that have loved money, this craving has uh, it's caused them to wander away from the faith, and, it, and they have pierced themselves through with many pangs. They've taken a sword and run themselves through with the trouble that their love of money has caused them. And Paul warns Timothy, don't, don't fail to warn the church. Tell the believers that 
Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. They fall into a snare. They fall into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people, listen, not into a bad day, but into ruin and destruction. And ultimately, potentially, the damnation of your own soul. Because it could be that if you keep going in that love of money, if you keep worshiping money more than and, and, and loving it and delighting in it more than you delight in Jesus, let me tell you, you may find out you are one among uh, with with an with a, with a overgrown heart among whom the gospel seed was sown into a thorny, briar-filled heart. That the word was in you choked out by the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches. That's why John, over in 1 John 2, verses 15 to 17, says, commands us, exhorts us, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You can't love God and the world at the same time. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world, where is it going? It's passing away. It's dying along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Why should you love the Father more than you love the world? Why should you love the Father more than you love the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and and the the pride of, of life and all that it motivates you to do? Because all of that stuff will die eternally. It'll be gone. It'll be over. Only the one who does the will of God will abide forever. The overgrown heart. What does it mean to love the world? John MacArthur says to love the world is to have as your primary hankering, your primary longing, your primary desire, your primary lust, those things that gratify your flesh. Self-fulfillment is everything to you. But if you live that way, if what drives you is what your flesh wants, what your eyes see, what your pride longs for, then you don't know God, whatever you may claim. Rather, your heart is overgrown, overgrown with the pursuit of everything else but Jesus. Your heart's overgrown with the impossible task of finding satisfaction in money or possessions or experiences in this life, even though you put Jesus lover on your social media profile. Saving faith is willing to give up everything to get Jesus. Jesus, the pearl of great price, as we've looked at in recent weeks, the treasure hidden in a field for whom it's worth selling everything to get a hold of. Does this mean you can't have anything? You can't enjoy life? You you can't even honor God by your enjoyment of the good things of this world? No, of course not. What it means is you can't worship those things, and you know the difference in here. I know the difference in here. You see, saving faith 
burns up all of the briars so that the only eternal pursuit can grow in good ground and produce much fruit for the kingdom of God. So if your heart feels like a briar patch, don't be deceived. Just because your mind knows the gospel. If your heart is overgrown, Jesus is clear. Saving faith has not taken root there, and you do not have a saving relationship with him. The condition of your heart determines whether or not your hearing of the gospel produces saving faith. We've looked at three of the four kinds of hearts. Three of the four kinds of soil. We've seen the hard heart. We've seen the hard heart. We've seen just now the overgrown heart. And then we looked at what's the second kind, guys? The shallow heart. That's what it is. It's bad when in the middle of this thing you you draw a complete blank on number two. The hard heart, the shallow heart, the overgrown heart. Notice with me finally, out of the four, there's only one that actually receives the seed and grows it, the fertile heart. Verse 15, as for that in the good soil, they are those who hearing the word, notice this, Hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. You see, this fertile heart, this heart hears and believes the gospel. This heart treasures Jesus above all things. This heart (coughs) finds satisfaction in him above everything else in the world. Listen, this is the key point. And keeps on believing, trusting, loving, delighting in Jesus. No matter what it costs, no matter how life goes, no matter how long the trials last, this heart holds fast to the gospel. It won't let go of the beauty of Jesus. It won't trade the glory of God for an idol, for the lies of the world, for the promise of pleasure that will exceed that of Christ. It won't make that trade. Again, MacArthur says, you can't tell somebody because they pray a prayer that they are now a Christian. You don't know that. Fruit with perseverance. How do you know if, it, if, if what happened that moment was real? Fruit with perseverance. Evidence of the Spirit's presence that lasts. MacArthur says, come back in a year. Come back in five years, ten years. Then we will know whether you are or are not a true follower of Jesus. You see, when people abandon a profession of faith in Christ, it simply means it never was real. That's what Jesus is saying. Three of the four kinds of soil, listen to me, they all heard the gospel. Two of those four, excuse me, two of the three that were not truly saved 
heard and received the gospel. Only the first one, the hard heart, never received it. It heard it, but it didn't receive it. The other two received it. It, it, They thought they were good. But the proof is in continuity. Jesus said in John 8, if you continue in my word, you're really my disciple. Not if you just check a box that one night you said some words and got right. You know how you'll know if you got right with God? You'll keep walking with Christ. Because the Spirit of God lives in you when you truly trust the Son. So what fruit should we expect to see in our lives? If we have fertile hearts, that's the only heart you want. Is everybody clear on this? This is elementary. I, think, I don't think I need to say that. But the only heart you want to have is a fertile heart. What fruit should we expect to see in our lives if we have fertile hearts where the gospel is actually taking root and it's growing and thriving? How can we tell if we've got a fertile heart where the gospel is growing and doing that which it's intended to do, which is produce much fruit in our lives? Well, there'll be some fruit you'll see. I mean, that was, that was tough, wasn't it? How do you know if there's a good fruit-producing plant growing? It'll bear fruit. Two kinds of fruit I want you to notice real quick. First of all, attitude fruit. And I borrow these, I actually borrow these from MacArthur. Attitude fruit. We hear that described in Galatians 5, to 24. Uh, another way to say that is the fruit of the Spirit. Stuff that happens internally by the power of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Now hear me, these things have outward manifestations, right? Love does something. Peace changes you. Patience uh, affects relationships, so forth and so on. But these are things of the heart. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. In other words, these fruits of the Spirit are what reign. These fruits of the Spirit are what predominantly shape our attitudes. Now, let me just ask you, does that mean that a Christian never has a, a bad attitude? Never is unloving, never is impatient, never lacks peace? Never is unkind or, or, or not good or unfaithful or, 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 or harsh instead of gentle? Of course not. But what it does mean is that if you see, as you and, and, you, and you only can, you and the, the Spirit of God, you see in your heart attitudes that are more contrary to the fruit of the Spirit than they are in sync with the fruit of the Spirit, well then maybe that fruit's not there. But if, on the other hand, you, with the fertile heart where the the gospel's growing and changing you, you see these fruits, then be encouraged by the attitudes of your own heart produced by the Holy Spirit. By the way, that's a good place to stop and say this. You know why? You know the only reason we ever have a fertile heart? We're all the same, aren't we? Don't don't, don't mess this, 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 this teaching of Jesus up. Nobody has a good heart. The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. It it tricks us. None is righteous, no, not one, Romans says. Scriptures are full of descriptions of the depravity of man, the sinfulness of mankind, the universal guilt and sinfulness of, of every man, boy, and girl. You know, the only thing that makes 
a heart fertile? The Spirit of God by the power of the gospel. And so when we find ourselves here, it's the, it's, it's, it's the grace of God. It's grace upon grace. It's the grace of God to, to, to get all the rocks out of our heart, to clear all the briars away, right? To plow up the ground so that something can grow. That's the work of the Spirit of God. And so when you see those attitudes, those, that, that kind of attitude fruit, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit at work, then thank God and, and continue to follow Jesus with action fruit. Not only attitude fruit, but action fruit. These are two kinds of fruit you can look for in your life. If the Spirit of God dwells in you and is producing His fruit in you, love, joy, peace, patience, all of these things, then it will change the way you live. Your actions, attitudes will, will drive actions. That's true of humanity, period, right? Our attitudes drive our actions. Our hearts drive our lives. 1 John 3, verses 9 and 10, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. It doesn't say that we can't sin as believers. It just says we don't continue to live in a lifestyle of sin. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God by the Holy Spirit. The seed here is not that gospel seed. It's the Spirit of God being referred to here. Verse 10, by this it is evident who the children of God are and who the children of the... Are, are the and who are the children of the devil? Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. John says, look, you'll be able to see in somebody's life whether they follow God. Now, here's the deal. Follow with me. There is a, a, a hypocritical, self-righteous, pharisaical legalism, right? There, there are people who can keep the outside clean. They can do the right stuff. To a certain degree, right? But here's what's always true. If it's just outward and not inward, if, if these actions I'm going about don't start my heart, I, I can't maintain that, can I? At some point, you're going to find me out because what's in my heart ultimately drives my life. And I might can keep a, a good show going in some ways, but I'm telling you, what's in my heart will ultimately come out. What's in your heart will ultimately Come out, our attitudes will follow in actions. And, and John says, man, you want to know how you're a child of God? Just look at your life. Do you love others? Do you love one another in the body? Do you walk in obedience to Jesus? Look at your life. You, you, you'll be able to see who's the child of God and who's the child of the devil. I mean, that's, that's pretty black and white, isn't it? If these two kinds of fruit aren't obvious in your life, then the soil of your heart is not fertile. It's not good. It's not the gospel. Uh, the gospel has not taken root and, and grown salvation in your heart, which is seen by the fact that there's no fruit. No fruit coming from that gospel seed, and that means you needed today Jesus' hearing test for your heart. That means you needed this, and now you need to respond to this. Now, what I want to encourage you to do, if, you, if you're here today and you, you, you say, look, I'm not my, my heart's not fertile. The gospel's not growing. There's not fruit in my life. I can see it now for the first time. I, I, I need help. Yep, you do. If you've got a heart, a shallow, or an overgrown heart, we've got we to gotta ask God to change that. So right now, even as we're wrapping this message up, ask God by His Spirit to plow up the soil 
in your hard, shallow, or overgrown heart. To clear away the briars, to dig out the rocks, and make it fertile so that the gospel you know or perhaps that you've heard today for the first time can grow deep and everlasting roots in your heart for the saving of your soul. See, the simple gospel is this. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Because of our sin, God who is holy must condemn sin. And because of our sin, the wages of our sin, God's response to our sin is death. We will die physically and he will punish us eternally in holy justice. And yet, that same God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, deserving of all of his wrath forever, he sent his own son. He showed, us, he showed his love for us. He loved us by giving Jesus to come and live a perfect life in our place, go to the cross, bear in that death on the cross, that horrific Roman crucifixion, all of the wrath of God against my sin and against yours. He was buried. On the third day, he rose again in victory over sin and hell and the grave. And today, what that means is that you and I can now take from him as little children the free gift of everlasting life. We can just reach out and receive it. He gives it only as a gift. He doesn't barter for it. He doesn't sell it. You'll never earn it. You cannot deserve it. He gives it as a gift. And so today, all you have to do is come and take the gift. And in taking the gift by simple childlike faith, you give all the glory to the one who gives the gift, to the one who bought your salvation to the one who is Jesus he is your righteousness to the one who rules and reigns over all things to the one who gives you everlasting hope to the one who will come back and take you for to be forever with he and the father in heaven what a hope we have what a salvation we have this is the good news will you pray to God that right now his spirit Take that message, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, plow your heart such that it's no longer hard, that it's no longer shallow, that it's no longer overgrown, but that in this very moment, your heart becomes fertile to the gospel, and that even right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, this is what I'm praying for you, that the Spirit would grow the plant of the gospel, that it would thrive in your heart, and that the result would be fruit, fruit that lasts as you change, as you have an attitude revamped by the Spirit of the living God and the fruits of the Spirit begin to fill your heart and overflow not only in your attitudes but into your actions and your life is different. You love God and you love others differently than you did before. You really love others. You serve them and you walk in His ways. You see, this is Jesus' hearing test for your heart. The condition of your heart determines whether or not your hearing of the gospel produces saving faith. How will you respond to the gospel? Where's your heart? Can you hear Jesus calling? Will you answer? Let's pray. Father, we know that the only reason we've ever said yes to you is because you changed our hearts. And that's what we pray right now. That for any listening who have a hard heart, a shallow heart, an overgrown heart, that you would free them from those chains of sin and rebellion and idolatry and wrong priorities and 
seeking pleasure in other things that can never satisfy. God, even right now, by your spirit, plow that ground and grant them a fertile heart. We praise you that you've done that in our lives. We want to be, we want to walk more consistent. We want to keep our fertile hearts cultivated. We want to walk more closely with Jesus. We want more fruit to be produced through the plants of our lives, even as your spirit works in us, his precious fruits. We want to love, <clears throat> love others better. We want to serve others more fully. So work in all of our hearts, we pray. Give us ears to hear. And change our hearts to believe. And allow you to have our way, your way in our lives, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Let's close this time together in worship today. Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure that He should give His only Son to make a wretch His treasure. How great the pain of sealing.
know today that there is no reason for the amazing grace of God. None, no reason in us. No reason is in the heart of our Father who chose to love us for his own honor and glory and for our everlasting good. But what we know without a doubt is his wounds have paid our ransom. Jesus paid it all, and he is a, a sufficient and perfect Savior for you and me today. Thank you for joining us today. We appreciate you being here. We're going to sign off in just a minute, but let me just go ahead and announce we will be live stream only next Sunday as well. Live stream only next Sunday, 11 a.m. Uh, so join us next Sunday at 11. Thanks so much.